Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from Psalm 46. Hear with me now the words of the psalmist. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, and it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we gather this morning. We gather together in community, though separated from each other, connected by the airwaves, by the internet by video, by IP addresses. We are connected in spirit and in heart. And so, O Lord, while we are not together in this place, we are together in your creation, in your holy tabernacle, where we are able to worship you with one voice, one body, one accord. And so while we worship together this morning, let our ears be opened. Let our hearts be wide displayed for you. Let our very souls open themselves up so that we would hear how you would speak to us and that we would be transformed, not just as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. It was September the 25th, 2008. Some of you will remember this day as I tell the story. Others of you, it's a vague date in time. I awoke that morning to the volatility in the financial market as I listened to CNN or MSNBC or Bloomberg or headline news, 
as I listened to those reports and what was coming in, it seemed that all of the financial structures were teetering and balancing very, very fragilely. And so as I dressed for work that morning, I began thinking about the church where I was appointed to. I began thinking about the finances of that church. In my role in that particular congregation, I was part of a team that oversaw our entire financial picture. We had had a great relationship with one bank. We'd had all of our resources in it far exceeding those FDIC limits. And so as I went to work that day, something was nagging my soul. And along the way, I made a phone call to our finance chair. And I said, I'm worried. I'm worried that something is about to happen in the market. And I think we need to diversify our banking relationship, spread our money out. And she agreed. So as I walked in, I spoke to my finance director and I said, we have a new mission today. We are going to spread our money out over the 10 banks in the community. And so I said, we're going to write some big checks. We wrote 10 big checks, checks I have never written before or since. And as we wrote them, because they required two signatures, the coworker that was our co-signer, he came alongside me and I had him sign him. He goes, not one, not two, not three, but 10 big checks. He goes, Glenn, I've never signed a check this big. I said, I know, neither have I. And then my finance director, she and I, for the next five and a half hours, went from bank to bank to bank across our community. And as we drove around, we went in the door and we said, we want to open up a business money market account. And you should see the bankers. They got excited. New business, even as things are tottering. Can we tell you about checking? Can we tell you about savings? And I said, we just want the money market today. We'll talk about accounts later, about relationships and banking opportunities with your firm next week. Today, we have one mission. Five and a half hours later, after this exhausting run of spreading our resources out, we went to lunch. The restaurant where we ate that day was owned by an Irish woman and her English husband. And up in the restaurant in a prominent spot was a big red sign a remembering sign, a poster, if you will, of a sign that hung in the subways of London during World War I. It said, keep calm and carry on. And as I looked at that sign and thought about what all we had done, all the stress, all the pressure of that day, I took a deep breath. <sighs> keep calm and carry on. And while that poster had roots in a time of physical war and conflict, it were words that I needed that day to be reminded that I had done my part. I had done my best to protect our finances, but now I just needed to be calm and carry on. Because what I knew in my heart was that no matter what would come next, God was in charge. Let's be honest, this has been a very tough week, a very um, energetic week, a very troubling week for most of us. I would entitle this week as, but wait, there's more. We started the week as we watched the spread of COVID-19 across the globe and into the United States. We saw Italy close its borders, but wait, there's more. The stock market that was in sort of a turbulent time started to take a significant downturn. But wait, 
There was more in the lives of members of our church. There were other personal things that were going down that were shattering their own foundations, shattering and making their faith difficult. Grief and loss, sickness and other issues. But wait, there was still yet more. If that wasn't enough, colleges began to change their spring breaks. They began to send their students home in closed dorms and move to online instruction, disrupting lives of parents, college students, professors, and college staff. But wait, there was more. First, they wouldn't let fans into the ACC tournament, and then they canceled it. But wait, there was still even more. Spring training was canceled. The start of baseball season, usually a sign of hope, and spring was pushed off a couple of weeks down the calendar. And then by Thursday, but wait, there's more. The governor and the bishop encouraged churches not to have worship. <laughs> we outfoxed them, didn't we? While we're not together here in God's house, we are gathered in our homes around screens, worshiping together because the worship of the church never stops, really, does it? The work of the church always goes on. But wait, there was still more, wasn't there? A trip to the grocery store for the week's provisions showed that now they were out of toilet paper at the Harris Teeter. But wait, there was more fear and anxiety, sin and being at an all-time high. And yesterday's news where we closed schools for two weeks across our state. Where the governor asked us and banned us from gathering together in groups of 100 for the next 30 days. It seems that we are now in uncharted territory at any time in our collective memory. It's as if we are in a free fall without a safety net. But that's not really true, is it? While the world may be spinning out of control, God has been with us and God is with us every step of the way. God is with us the whole time. So in the text I read this morning, the psalmist writes to reassure a world whose foundations are tottering and crumbling, reminding that world that God is still with us, that God has the power to bring peace to our warring hearts and souls, to bring peace to our lives, even when we think it is impossible. And those are words that we need now more than ever. And so as I look at that text, my eyes are drawn to the last two verses. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our mighty fortress. And those words remind me of one thing. To be calm. To be calm and know that God is with us. To be calm and know that God is with me. See, God is with us. God is the strength of our lives. When we read that line, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We are connected to a long lineage of God's strength that dates all the way back to creation. That generations upon generations have turned to God in times of trouble. 
See, throughout our history, throughout the history of the world, God has been the one constant that has always been there. God has been faithfully present with all of us, with God's people. When Franklin Roosevelt gave his inaugural address in 1932, these were the words he said. The only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to turn retreat into advance. The only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. What he faced as a leader, what we faced as a country, as a globe, fear would hold us back, would not allow us to advance. So what had to happen for our country to advance, for him to succeed as a leader, was to push fear to the corners of the room. So when we think about those lessons and we think about what we're faced today, fear is not what God wants for our world, is it? What God wants for us is just the opposite. The psalmist states that God is our refuge and our strength. It says, fear not in the very beginning of the text, that no matter if the mountains may shake or crumble, no matter if the waters may roll, be still and know that I am God, he says. Be still and know that I am with you says the Lord. See, fear is what paralyzes us. It causes us to retreat, to pull back, to hunker down and to go into a bunker. Fear is what causes us to freeze and not to be able to move forward at all. And that's not the life that God wants us to live. God wants us to live lives of meaning, lives of abundance, lives of faith. Faith is what propels us to go out into the world. Faith is what propels us to face each day, to know that God is with us, that God is ever-present. This doesn't mean that we're just to throw caution to the wind and let go and let God know we've still got to do our best. So when we look at the coronavirus, we've still got to wash our hands. We've still got to monitor the developments We've got to make wise choices. We need to be pragmatic and rational. But we need to let go of our fear and see the blessings of God. We need to take a deep breath. Just do that with me right now. Just close your eyes and breathe in. And then let it go. Do that again. Breathe in. And let it go. When you do that, did you feel the stress, the anxiety, the energy pour out? That's what we need to do. We need to recognize that God is with us. 
and to let fear and anxiety push it away by knowing that God is right beside us. On September the 11th of 2001, as we watched those planes crash in the towers and the towers fall, and we watched all of the world fall into calamity. Me, like you, hunkered around TVs and watched the news all day long, but in the back of my mind, I had to make a trip that day. I had to drive from uh, Winston-Salem, or Thomasville actually, down to Lake Norman to do premarital counseling with a couple whose wedding was coming up in October. And I can remember as I drove down the highway, I listened to the radio, to all the reports, all the news, all the updates. And I can remember as I drove out to this couple's house, I stopped by the lake shore. And on an afternoon that was absolutely gorgeous, when there would normally be boats out on the water and planes in the air lining up to land in Charlotte, I turned the radio off. And I rolled the windows down in my truck. And I just listened. There were no boats on the water. Just the wind and the waves. It was eerie that there were no planes in the air flying into Charlotte. The skies were quiet and clear. Just the occasional bird chirping in a distance. And as the sun began to set and the sky was ablaze with all the beauties of the rainbow, that was when I realized that no matter what would happen, that the sun would rise tomorrow on the 12th of September and that God was still in charge. Brokenhearted like me, brokenhearted like the world, but still in charge and walking with us each step of the way. It was just the beginning of a long journey that we knew towards healing, but that God would be my source of strength, our source of spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical strength in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. That in the end, we were not alone. So during the season of Lent, we have been talking here at Centenary about grace and about God's grace and sort of how we understand grace as United Methodists. We started off talking about prevenient grace, that part of God's spirit that, has a, that causes a yearning within our souls to know God more. This idea of justifying grace where we would know that Christ died on the cross for us and that we were forgiven of our sins and that would propel us in wanting to live better lives, which gives way to sanctifying grace, where God works in our hearts and our lives, where we live more Christ-like lives. It's in those moments of sanctifying grace that we begin to live the way Christ has always wanted us to live, to reflect the love of God upon everyone that we meet. People always ask me when we talk about this, well, what would that look like? How do, how do we get an image of what someone that has experienced an outpouring of sanctified grace live? And I always turn to Teresa of Calcutta, that nun who was called to go into the slums and to love people and to hold them at their dirtiest in life. 
but to lift them up as if they were the most special. Someone asked her why she did it and she said, I am but a pencil in the hand of God writing a love letter to the world. See, I think that's who you and I are called to be. We are called to live lives that are more Christ-like, to let God's sanctifying grace pour over us and that we are called to live lives where we are pencils in the hand of God writing a love letter to the world. And I think now more than ever, the world needs the church, needs you and me to be those pencils writing those letters. And so as I think about what it is that we can do in light of everything that we read and hear and see about coronavirus and COVID-19 in the world around us, I think the first thing that we can do is that we can pray. I mean, no matter where we are, no matter what our age, no matter what our abilities, we can pray. And God is calling us to do that now more than ever. Just this week alone, we have candidates for ministry in our conference. They have been called by God to serve the church. And they are gathering together via now online for their interviews to be approved as provisional candidates in the church. So there are 20 of them that will, be get, that will be meeting online to be tested on all the knowledge that they have. Are they ready to be sent forth into our conference? We can pray for them. Pray for those that are involved in the Board of Ordained Ministry process. One of our own here in this church, Emily Rivers, is one of those candidates. Pray that they would have calm hearts in these tumultuous times. The interviews will look different than they had envisioned pray that everyone will do their best. As we follow the sickness across the country and the globe, we need to pray for all the health professionals as they care for those who are sick, as they prepare to reach out to those in the community should it bloom and spike. Let's pray for them and the gifts that God has given them because they are the ones that step forward when someone says, I am sick, they're here to say, I'll take care of you. Let's pray for the at-risk population, especially those who are in long-term care facilities that are worried about that illness coming in their facility. They know that they are at the highest risk. Let us pray for their health and that they might avoid contracting it. Let us pray for parents whose lives have been disrupted by school schedules and pray for students whose dreams and visions for learning are going to take a different look for the next couple of weeks. Let's pray for those in our community who have had their work schedules and their income affected by changes in the economy and changes in our patterns. Let's pray for the agencies that care for those who are most at risk that live on the margins of our society, that provide food for the hungry, housing for the homeless, support for those that need that as they battle poverty, and those that are looking for medical care because they can't afford it. But wait, there's more that we can do. We can reach out and we can con still contact, contact each other. 
You know, the governor said that we shouldn't gather together in large group settings, but nothing prevents us from using the technology that's available to us to reach out and to connect. Many of us, our leaders in our churches, our committee chairs, or small group leaders or class leaders, what would it look like if we took to the telephone, to the internet, to the email, and we reached out to our class members to check in with each of them individually and ask them how they were doing, checking on them during these times where we are encouraged to do social distancing. What if we drew closer using the available technologies? But not only as we checked in our committee members or our class members, what if we asked each of them to check on five people who are not a part of that committee, not a part of that class? And as they checked on those five, each of those encouraged the five to check on five more. Imagine the spider webs of connections that we could make just to make sure that we are still close together, still tied together, still in community, even if we are to practice social distancing. And as we learn things about each other, things that are of concern, that we pass those back into the community so that we can reach out in appropriate ways of care. Those of us that are of good health that aren't in the most high-risk groups, what if we offered to run errands, to go to the grocery store, to catch takeout food, and take it to those who are at high risk and afraid to leave their homes? But wait, there's more. What if grandparents called parents of the grandchildren, knowing that their lives are all in turmoil, just to check on them and to help relieve the stress? What if grandchildren called grandparents just to check on them, tell them they loved them, and to make sure that they were okay? But wait, there's more. What if those of us that were able-bodied, that wanted to go out and wanted to help use our hands and our feet to be the hands and feet of Christ? What if we felt secure in our own health that we were willing to call and to serve in the agencies that help the marginalized? What would it look like if we picked up the phone and we called those agencies and said, I'm willing to help, what do you need? And we offered our assistance to the level that we felt comfortable because you see, the ministry of the church, the ministry of our mission partners doesn't stop because the needs in the world haven't stopped either. But wait, there's more. This situation continues to change quickly. It changes hour to hour, day to day, overnight. What if we practice patience with each other? What if we practice grace and recognize that everyone is under some amount of stress, some amount of worry, and as we practice that grace, that kindness, what if we gave that gift to each other and had patience with each other as this whole coronavirus situation unfolds just simply because we cared about each other? But wait, there's one more thing. So many of us, so many of us are in positions of influence in lives. We're financial advisors, we're medical professionals, we're teachers, we're clergy, we're parents, we're grandparents, we're coaches. We are mentors. 
What if we dug deep into our own faith and we fought fear and we remained calm so that others would see the calmness in our lives? Even as the mountains might shudder and as the sea might roar, what if we remain calm so that we would inspire others to remain calm? What a gift, what a lesson that we could teach the world. Because when we do that, the words that we hear in our heart are simply this. Be still and know that I am God. What if we started each day and we started our day with a prayer just like this? We prayed this prayer in our hearts. I invite you to pray it with me now. Close your eyes. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know who I am. Be still just be. Amen. See, I think this is a defining moment in our lives right now. What happens over the next 30 days is a defining moment for us and for the church and a world around us that so desperately needs to hear these words, fear not. So let us remain calm and carry on because our God is exalted in all the nations Our God brings peace to our hearts and to the earth because our God is a refuge, is a source of strength in an ever-present time of need. Our God is exalted among all the nations. The Lord God of Jacob is our strength and our refuge. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.